do? No. All right. Well, let's give us a song. We'll, we'll get started. They get here and just come on in and get up and be on. All right. Take your songbook and let's turn to number 178. 178, Footprints of Jesus.
She's still about the same. She just gets real tired and worn out, discouraged, and, you know, and feels like giving up. Okay, we'll pray. That, yeah, we'll pray she gets second wind. How's your dad doing, Richard? Mm-hmm. He doing all right? All right. Y'all remember pray for my aunt? She's still in that same situation she was in. Just pray for God. Give her peace and comfort in that in throughout the duration, however long he chooses to leave her here. Or any yes. Uh, Michael, uh, my niece, Megan. Uh-huh. Uh, an update for her is that it looks like she's going to get uh, Social Security, medical Social Security, or something, whatever it is. Yeah. Because of the medical issues she's right. going on. So at least there are, there's going to be some money coming in. Um, also, she's now seeing a naturopath, and she said she's been doing this diet for 28 days, and she's finally seeing maybe a little light. Uh, a glimmer of yeah. at the end of the tunnel, maybe. Stuff. Right. So we still need to keep her in Absolutely. Absolutely. Others, anybody else? Yes. Charlotte? Yes. Remember Charlotte, her foot? Uh, huh? Anya, yep. Remember Anya and her back? Scott? Scott and his, his liver? Yep. We got a number of them. Yeah, I remember Phyllis in prayer. Y'all, y'all please remember my wife. She's still trying to get feeling better. And I was going to tell you, too, we, huh? Yeah, they're, they're okay, though. Yeah, but um, I was going to tell you, we've been praying. I asked you to pray for Stephanie, and she was she was uh, candidating for a job. And uh, she talked to them today, and uh, they were very interested in her, but they wanted us to move to Kentucky. And uh, that's not going to happen. So that just not just wasn't wasn't meant to be. So just pray that another opportunity presents itself. And uh, no, I'm not moving to Kentucky for love of money or anything else. So anyway, I'm staying right here where I'm at. But uh, I just thank God that, that the opportunity was there. And I told her when the right one comes along, it'll work. And it'll be just right. So don't get discouraged. But I uh, pray for her because I know she is a little bit. Uh, anything else? tonight before we go to the Lord in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Richard, lead us in prayer. Father, we uh, just uh, thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for bringing us all here. And Lord, we lift these prayer requests up to you and her way, Father. Just pray that your will be done in each and every one of them, Father. Uh, bless this time now, Lord, and uh, just uh, be with us and, and uh, guide and direct us, Father. Uh, pray for Brandon in a special way, Father. And, uh, Lord, that you would uh, use him as your instrument. Amen.
seem like well, I got the last verse. Here we go. May I be willing, Lord, to bear even like I, I've lost my place. We're on 33, aren't we? Yeah, let's go back to three. I lost my total. I lost my place. You ready? Let me like through the blue come with a gift for thee. Show to me now the empty Will my heart be glad while tears of joy will flow 
And I'm thankful, Lord, because I know that you find no fault in your son, Lord. And I'm thankful tonight that I'm covered in his blood and I'm covered in his righteousness. And, Lord, I just rejoice for that. And, Lord, as my mother just pointed out, that the the sins are gone. There's nothing there on the record. It's spotless because it's clear because of what Jesus did for us. We're thankful today that that record, uh, that old account was settled long ago. We're thankful tonight. Lord, please help us as we go to the book of Proverbs. Help us, Lord, to glean some, some timeless truths from there, Lord, that will help us. Lord, to help us to live in such a way that, Lord, we honor you with our lives. And, Lord, that not only honor you with our lives, but it's because, Lord, you're able to bless us. Lord, if we, if we align ourselves up with what the book of Proverbs leads us to, our lives will glorify Jesus. Our lives will honor you. And, and Lord, you'll be able to, to pour out your favor and, and blessing on us. Help us tonight to, to glean from the scriptures, Lord, what we ought to do, changes we ought to make, ways that we ought to walk, things that we ought to undertake, Lord, that might make us, uh, Lord, fitting, Lord, to be called your children. Lord, we just praise you tonight for, for your wisdom and instruction. And I just thank you, Lord, and I ask you please to help me now, Holy Spirit of God. Lord, use me in spite of my limited abilities. Use me tonight in spite of the way I feel or things on my mind. Lord, I pray you just take me. Lord, I'm your instrument. I'm your vessel. And I yield myself to you, and I pray you'd fill me and pour me out now. In Jesus' name and for his sake I ask. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. It is good to be back in in church tonight, and it's good to be back in the book of Proverbs. And we're in chapter 13, starting a new chapter, but it's still the same same story. All the way to chapter 23, ten more chapters we got before it's really going to actually change much. And all these pieces of information, it's not the same thing over and over and over again. There's all different, again, I, I look at it like driving a nail, and every time you hit that nail, it bends a different way. And so you reach that hammer and hit that head in a different direction to get it straightened back up. And, and that's the way we are. God got to teach us something, but we just bend the other direction. Because that's the way we are. Oh, I don't like that. I, I, I think I'll do it my way. And God says, no, i got to hit you over here and straighten you up. And, and we just keep bending, trying to do it our way, and it never works until God finally just gets us hit from every angle and drives it home. And I believe that's what he does in the scriptures here. So I hope that you'll get something from it tonight. And those that are listening in tonight, I hope you'll get something from it, a blessing from it. Maybe you don't need these truths right this minute, but there's somebody within your vicinity who desperately needs these things, and let God guide you to them with these truths in hand. All right, let's begin there. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1, A wise son heareth his father's instruction. A wise son heareth his father's instruction. Boy, I wish it was more of that. Just going to say that right now. Having raised five sons, I wish there was more of that listening part. I can name out of those five two of them that did a pretty decent job. I'm not going to tell you which ones is which because I'm not going to call names. But I'll tell you, two of them listened okay. The other three were not heads and wouldn't listen to hardly anything and had to figure it out themselves. And, boy, I can tell you now, on the other side of it, every one of them would tell me the very same thing. You're right, Daddy. Yep, you're right. I was 27 before it hit me like a bolt out of the blue. Everybody... I was driving I was driving a big old massive Ferguson tractor, just like it was yesterday, out on Gate 2 Road, 
at the J3G Ranch. I was working for Attorney Jesse Lee Nickerson III, and I'm on his tractor going up his little dirt driveway, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and I saw as clear as a bell that everybody who'd been trying to tell me stuff all those years was right. It's just like the, it's like the skies open, and God said, "You were totally wrong, Brandon," and I got it. And I want and I wanted to call everybody and apologize all at the same time because I I finally realized. But it ought not be that way. You ought to get it on the way through. That's the way it should be, because the Bible says a wise son heareth. So those animals do exist. Amen. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, and and there's a lot of hope for a child who has reverence for their parents. You can get excited over a child who listens and actually takes those things and are willing to be advised by those things, and not only advised, but they'll take those things in and let those things correct them. Man, there's a lot of hope for somebody like that because they're on the right track. They're doing things right. A son or our daughter, for that matter, that carefully listens to what their father tells them, carefully listens, not lets it go in one ear and out the other, but they carefully listen, and they want to hear it. They see it as important, and they comply with it. And that's a wise – the Bible calls that a wise son. And you know what? They're, they're, and they're, they're, they're lined up to get further wisdom because they're accepting some now. You know, the, when, you start, when, you, when you finally get to where you realize you don't know everything, then you can open the lid on your brain and let some things come in. You got it shut beforehand. Everything's just pouring off of you. But you open the lid and say, hey, I want some of that wisdom. But once you start getting a little bit, you go, hey, that's good. I want more. It whets your appetite. And so praise God, uh, a wise son heareth his father's instruction. But the second half says, a scorner heareth not rebuke. Not so much hope for those. Not so much hope for those who won't so much as stand still and listen to correction. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear all that. Don't tell me all that. I don't care. I don't care. Boy, I tell you what, I, I like to went to seed on that phrase when I was a kid. I mean, I, I made everybody, made everybody been out of shape at me. My teachers told, ah, he just don't care. That's his problem. He don't care. Uh, and I, and for a while, I didn't care. I was stupid. I was foolish. The Bible said, a scorner. I guess that's what I was during that time because I didn't want nobody to tell me anything. And I had children who did the very same thing. And I, and I don't know if any of y'all was in here like it. And if you wasn't, then praise God, you wasn't. But. There's so many. There's so many of us that are hardheads, and uh, but you know, the person we're talking about, they won't. They won't stand there and listen. To nobody tell them nothing. They they hate to do as they're told. They roll their eyes at those who faithfully try to deal with them. Oh, I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, oh, I wish they'd shut up and leave me alone. Oh, and then you find out they were right. Hmm. You can't fix something that's wrong if you won't listen to somebody tell you what's wrong. You can't fix what's wrong in your life. But instead, you, you look at them as your enemy because they tell you what's wrong. Paul had that problem with the Galatians. He said to them, he said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They got mad at him because he told them the truth. I tell you what, it's in our government. Chuck Schumer got mad, went on, went on TV and got mad because Tucker Carlson released those January 6th tapes. And he called it the greatest crime perpetrated against the American people because they actually showed that the folks were lying. They exposed our uh, Democrats a bunch of liars. Listen, again, you can't fix stupid. You just can't fix stupid. I'm not here to talk about politics tonight, so I'll hush and get off of that. But anyway, but anyway, 
you you got to be able to listen if you ever want to get beyond just standing around being a scorner that don't go anywhere. Uh, you know, again, the best thing you can ever do is just be quiet and listen sometimes because that's the only way you're ever going to learn. Um, verse 2. It says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. Now, I don't, that sounds weird, honestly, if you just listen to what it says. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. Well, well fruit, I don't know what fruit you, what are you talking about? Well, it's not talking about real fruit, obviously. It, it's saying if what comes out of your heart, whatever comes out of your heart is going to come out your lips. Amen. Out of the abundance of the, uh, out of the, abundance of the, of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, so whatever's, whatever's in here is going to come out. And if what comes out is good, it's because it comes from a good source, and it will reap you a good harvest. Uh, again, the comfort and satisfaction that a life in Christ brings won't just be daily bread for your soul. It'll be a continual feast to those that you communicate to about it. You go if you go if you go to work and you talk to people about the Lord and how good He is all day long. It ain't just blessing you to say it. You're blessing the people's ears that hear it. So listen, if, especially if it's somebody who's a new Christian, works with a Christian who's been around for uh, been in the Lord for a good long while. Man, it's a blessing to go to work and get to talk to them all day long because again, it's like a continual feast. They're feeding you things of the Spirit that you need all day long. I mean, it's a blessing to get to be. I, I've worked with men, uh, especially when I was when I was in college. I worked with men who were much more knowledgeable in the Bible than me. And just riding down the road, we sit and talk about the Lord. You know, it's a blessing when you can be around somebody and spend time with somebody who knows Jesus very well. And it will be. It'll be like a continual feast to you to be around them and and, and talk to them. Uh, you know, if you were to follow two men around for a month. One who curses continually and one who speaks words of blessing and truth continually, you find a great difference in both the satisfaction of life that those two men are living and the actions of those two men, just based on what comes out of their mouth. So again, the the, the man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. The man who, who speaks good words, encouraging words, uh, godly words, again, it's going to bless himself and it's going to bless others. But the Bible says the soul of a transgressor shall eat violence. The soul of a transgressor shall eat violence. Well, a transgressor is one who doesn't want to obey God's law, who wants to do it his own way and go against God. <laughs> and the Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So if you sow, if you sow troubles, troubles are going to come back. If you are a violent person, somebody's going to whoop the tar out of you. It's just a fact of life. You're going to end up hurting the wrong person, and it's going to come back on you. You steal from people, somebody's going to take from you. Whatever you're doing is going to come back on you. Violence flies back in the face of him that did it, period, plain and simple. Matthew 12, 37. 
and says, For by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy works shalt thou be condemned. The soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. So if violent words are coming out of your mouth, then, then guess what? You, you, it's going to come back. It's going to come back on you. You're going to have to deal with it. As our fruit is, so is our food. That's what we're going to have to deal with. What we produce is what we're going to live with. Romans six twenty one and 22, the Bible says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Being now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Praise God. I mean, I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm thankful that I don't reach the fruit of a lost person. I, 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 I thank God I'm saved. I thank God that that my that that the the things that come into my life are, are governed by God and blessings come to him, come from Him because of my life in Christ. But man, if you're lost and you're just doing whatever you want to do, you got nothing to look forward to. You, you got nothing to look forward to. Those those those, those things are the, the Bible says the end of those things is death. That, I mean that's where you that's what you're headed for. Um, let's look at verse three. It says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. <clears throat> he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. You don't hear the saying very much anymore, but you used to hear somebody you used to hear people say, Bite your tongue. <laughs> old old grandmas used to say that. I don't care too many other people, but you would hush, bite your tongue. My grandma my mama would say that. And what they mean is keep your mouth shut. Not just bite your tongue, but keep your mouth shut. And and over the years, I've known some good Christians who had good character in every other area of their life, but they had a problem with the tongue, and they couldn't keep their mouth shut. And being a, being a strongly opinionated person myself, I've struggled with that. And I've had some church members over the years who, who had that, that problem, and I mean, some of the best church members I ever had, but they were strong opinionated. Uh, and one in particular, she she was one of my one of my for years. She was our Sunday school teacher in Paris, and she used to call me every every Monday morning and apologize for something she said. And I said, "Oh, I didn't think nothing of it, but it bothered her." But you know, again and and again, she's a wonderful Christian. I'm not talking bad about her at all. I'm just saying, you know, everybody's got flaws. But the Bible warns us about keeping our mouth. Uh, you know, and, and again, her problem was her problem was that she was wasn't saying she wasn't saying bad things. It's just certain some things that that uh, some others might not say. She would just come out and say it. You know, it needed to be said, but you know what I'm saying. But uh, but we need to be careful what we say because everything we say reflects upon our Lord and Savior. And and you know, a guard upon our lips is a guard upon our soul. Um, the careful man who keeps a strong bridle on his tongue and a tight grip on the reins keeps his soul from a lot of guilt and grief and saves himself the trouble of, of bad memories and a bad testimony. When you when you keep your tongue, you don't have anything, you know, you don't have a, an occasion to look back and say, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, man, I, 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 ended up, I ended up losing a good friend over it. You know, I, I, ended up, I ended up dividing people in my family over it or whatever. He that keepeth his mouth, he saves himself from a lot of trouble. And and in and in reality, that if we look at what that verse is actually saying, 
It might keep you from somebody taking you out, keeping your mouth shut sometimes. It's just he that keeping his mouth, keeping his lie. You know, in this day and time we live in especially, I saw something the other day where it, it was, I think it was in South Carolina in a Walmart parking lot. Woman standing there holding her infant child, and her two-year-old was in the car, and she got in a verbal altercation with this other woman. And the other woman went to the car, got her pistol, and shot the woman in the back while she stood there getting her groceries in the car. Killed her right there in Walmart parking lot, holding her two two two-month-old infant over words. Yeah, I mean, listen again. You know, I, I understand you lost your temper, but but you better be careful because in this day and time we live in, it can cost you your life. In a hurry. The Bible says, He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And, you know, there's been a many a man ruined by an ungoverned tongue, couldn't control his temper. You know, the Bible's pretty clear about the tongue. I know y'all know this, but I'm going to read it for the sake of everybody else. James 3, 2 through 10. It says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word... The same as a perfect man, that means he's mature, he's grown up in the Lord, and all, and able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control your tongue, you can control the rest of you. That's what it's saying. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce wind, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. With the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Amen. Listen, the Bible's pretty clear about it. That tongue's dangerous. Amen. So he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. So, you know, that, it sounds like to me that ought to be one of the first things we we try to we try to get the jump on. That ought to be one of the first things we take to God is, Lord, help me control my tongue. Lord, put a governor on the things that I say. Again, you know, there's scriptures that talk about the the, the man who's absolutely ain't got a lick of sense, ain't got two brain cells holding hands. As long as he keeps his mouth shut, don't nobody know he's that shape, right? It's good to keep your mouth shut. That way nobody knows if you're an idiot, amen? Praise God. Sometimes it's good to just keep your mouth shut, you know, because you say too much. That's worse than not saying enough. So anyway, let's look here in the next verse. Verse 4. I got to hurry. I ain't going to get done with this. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. We're looking at the misery and the shame of the slothful. 
And it isn't that the, that the lazy man or lazy woman doesn't have desire. They want things. They wish for a lot of things, but they don't have any. They don't have anything because they lack the the drive or the determination to get up and apply themselves to the work required to bring their dreams to reality. They can't do that. There's a disconnect there, and and they're foolish. They want the rewards that the diligent get, but they hate the work that it requires to get it. And, and they want everything they lay their eyes on, but they won't lift a finger to get it, and so they wind up with nothing. And we covered that in 2 Corinthians 3.10, where Paul said, For even when we were with you, we commanded you that if any would not work, neither shall he eat. So, you know, God's pretty clear about how he feels about the sluggard that doesn't want to eat, but yet wants to beg for something to eat. I mean, doesn't want to work, but wants to beg for something to eat. Uh, the other half of that verse says, All of the diligent shall be made fat. And that word fat, again, I mentioned it last week, but you need to realize that word fat doesn't mean what we think around here in America when we say fat. Oh, so he's fat. She's fat. That's a negative connotation anymore. Uh, people get fat shamed. Not in the Bible. You're fat. That's a good thing. That means you're blessed. Fat means prosperity. Just as lean means hardship. If it's a year of leanness, that don't mean everybody was working out real hard, going to the gym every day. That means there wasn't no food and everybody got skinny. But if everybody was fat, everybody had plenty to eat. So the soul of the diligent is going to have a plenty, right? So happy, we're going to look at the happiness and the honor of the diligent. Their soul, the Bible says, shall be made fat. That means that they'll have abundance. They won't be doing that at all. They'll enjoy their abundance comfortably. They'll have a comfortable existence with plenty. Why? It's the fruit of being faithful. It's the fruit of being diligent. It's the fruit of following God and obeying him and, and, and being a good child and, and uh, walking in his way, especially true in spiritual matters. I mean, the, the person who lives a mostly carnal life just does what they want to do. You know, they say, well, I, I, you know, I got saved such, such a long, long time ago and everything, but they don't live for God, really. They just kind of in and out and, and they don't really yield to God to service, do anything that, to make their life really amount to anything for God. At the end of their life, guess what they're going to find out? There ain't much reward there. They're going to face up to that leanness when they get to heaven and see Jesus, and they're going to find out what that leanness was all about because they didn't do anything to earn anything. I talked about that Sunday. Uh now let's get on to verse five. I got to hurry. I got fifteen minutes. I can do three verses in fifteen minutes. No, I got four verses. Let's go. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. <clears throat> a righteous man hateth lying. I, I tell you, I do. I can't stand a liar. I can't stand somebody lie to me. Ooh, it, much in this world go all over me like find out somebody been lying to me. You know. Because where, where, where grace reigns in somebody's life, man, sin is sin is loathsome. It, it's it's disgusting. And, uh, you know, you, you just got to listen to Jesus on the subject, see how he feels about it. And, he, and, and John 8, 44, he addresses it. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Jesus said, hey, you want to lie? You're just like your father and the devil. 
I believe, I believe Jesus had a problem with a liar. And if Jesus had that big a problem with a liar, you and I would have that big a problem with a liar. And everybody who's saved, everybody that loves the Lord, everybody that, that, that is a child of God hates lying. If they're, if they're a true child of God, they hate lying because God, God is truth. There's no lie in him. So therefore, therefore, we hate lying, and we love truth. We love justice, and we love obedience to God. And, and I tell you right now, you, listen, you have, you have some pretty hard things to me to get me to even consider telling a lie. Now listen, I'd have, have to be, my life had to be threatened, and I still might not do it. I don't know. I don't want to lie. Amen? I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to dishonor my Lord by telling a lie. Uh, you know, again, a righteous man hateth lying. It's not in his nature to do so, but the Bible says a wicked man is loathsome to shame. Why is that man in that shape? Sin is his boss, that's why. Sin is the one that directs that man. He's a wicked man. If his eyes was open, the only way his eyes are going to get open is if the Holy Spirit of God works in his heart. But if his eyes was open and his conscience became awake, he could step back and see himself as he really is, and seeing that would disgust him. He would disgust himself, and he would repent in dust and ashes. But he's loathsome. Because, see, that's the way he is to God. And he don't see it himself, but God sees it, and God's people sees it. And so that's why the Bible says he's loathsome, because anybody can clearly see that's the shape he's in. He's... He's a man that doesn't care about the truth. He's a man that doesn't care about right and what's, and, and what's honest. He just wants to do wrong because that's his nature, because he doesn't know God and he doesn't want to know God. <clears throat> He's untrustworthy. To be untrustworthy, that's the reputation gained by being a liar. And, and, and there ain't much in this world that's, that's more detestable than somebody say, well, you can't trust that person. Don't fool with them. Man, they'll lie. They just soon lie to you and look at you. Now, who wants to be around somebody like that? Who wants somebody like that coming around them? I don't want that kind of person around me. Good night. They won't do nothing but wreck everything in your life. That person may move from place to place, try to run from that reputation, but don't make no difference. They're always going to meet up with it in the end because no matter where you go, there you are. You can't get away from you. Daniel 12, 2, again, like I said, Man may try to run from his reputation, but he's going to meet it in the end. The Bible says in Daniel 12, too, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. They ran from it their whole life, that reputation, but they're going to meet it when they have to kneel before the Savior. Verse 6, righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. This talks about saints being secured from ruin. Amen. We're kept by the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. That's who he is. He is the righteousness of God. He swapped his righteousness and took our sin. Hallelujah. Amen. 
righteousness, and that righteousness is what keeps us, amen, upright in the way. John 10, 28, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Righteousness does what? It keepeth him that is, that is upright in the way. So he keeps us. We're in his hand. Nobody can pluck us out of his hand. Righteousness keeps him that is upright in the way. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, it talks about you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, we are righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. Nothing can take away my salvation. I'm kept by the power of God unto salvation. Amen? Those that are upright in the way, walking in the light of the Lord, that's who we're talking about. They are living by God's rules of, about what's right and deal sincerely both with God and with man. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. Psalm twenty-five twenty-one says, Let integrity and upright, uprightness preserve me, for I wait upon thee. Again, let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Again, these are all the things that are the working of the Lord. This is not anything that you and I can generate. This is us submitting to him and him working in our life. All the righteousness I have and all the righteousness that you have and ever will have is his righteousness. It's not ours. Amen? Without God's righteousness, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ to the born-again believer, we can't be righteous. Amen? God sees all our righteousness, the Bible says, as filthy rags. So when it says righteousness, that's Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness keeps us, and it keeps us upright in the way. Praise God. Hallelujah. Every bit of that, Jesus did every bit of that in that verse. That thing we did, but, but simply trust him as our Savior. That's all. Believe on him. <clears throat> the second half of that verse, I mean, not the, well, yeah, the second half of that verse says, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. Again, we talked the first part about saints being secured from ruin. Well, here we're talking about sinners secured for ruin. Because why, right, uh, wickedness is going to overthrow them. <clears throat> the one that's wicked, they're going to be overthrown at last by their own wickedness. There ain't nothing they can do about it. And in the meantime, guess what? They're bound up in the cords of their wickedness. The Bible tells us that. If you're bound up in the cords of your wickedness and, and you're headed for destruction, guess what? You're going to get there. You're going to get there because you can't stop it. It's going to happen in God's time and it's going to happen according to God's purposes that they're going to meet their end. Why? Not because they, they didn't deserve it, because none of us deserved it. The reason they're going to wind up that way is because when they had the opportunity to receive Christ and have their sins forgiven, they rejected it. That's the only reason. <clears throat> Verse 7 i got seven minutes to eight. We'll make it. The Bible says, There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor. There's two people there that came to my mind whenever I, talk, whenever I read this verse. I'm not going to call his name. But I grew up in his house, and I, I watched him striving for money, striving for things, but he had no spiritual life, had no satisfaction in his life, and now he's coming to the end of his life, and I guarantee you there's, there's, there's no peace in his heart. 
Again, man had all the money he could ever want, but yet there was no peace. I watched a lot of people like that over the course of my life. They're caught up in this world and the things of this world, and, and they just try to get as much as they can get, but yet there is nothing on the inside. They're just as, as vacant as can be. There's no, there's no love of God. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no comfort. The, the, the Spirit of God doesn't dwell there in those that don't know Christ as their Savior. There is that maketh himself rich again, and when when the, when there ain't no there's no U-Hauls behind hearses, you can't take it with you. You can't. You, and you know what? When you get to the end of your life, there's no enjoyment in any of it. The Bible says, "Yet he hath nothing." When you stand naked before your God, there'll be nothing to cover your unrighteousness. But the Bible says there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The other person I'm talking about was a man named Travis Jones. His wife's name was Betty. I got to know them when a missionary by the name of Kelly Daniel, who I went to Bible college with, came and visited us years ago, somewhere around 2000, 2001 in Paris at our church where we were, we were actually meeting in our home at that time. And uh, Brother Kelly went out soul winning that afternoon. He told me they were going to go, him and his wife were going to go for a little while, knock some doors. And, and anyway, I was getting ready for evening church. Well, he came back. He said, hey, we won, a, we won this couple to the Lord. He said, and they're going to come back, come tonight and get baptized. And uh, I met Travis and Betty Jones that night. They were probably in their early 70s at that time. And... Uh, and, and they they weren't they had they didn't have any money they weren't anything uh, spectacular as far as this world would consider. Travis wore hickory stripe overalls everywhere he went. And he was he was he was a farmer. They were from Roxton. Neither one of them had more than much more than an elementary school education. Couldn't write. Couldn't neither one read and write. But you know what? They loved the Lord Jesus with all their heart. And and you know what they did? They did they did everything they could to get people to come to church. They tried to bring everybody they knew. They worked on everybody they knew, trying to get them to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember standing at the back of Brother Travis's Toyota pickup truck one evening, and him saying to me, he said, he said, he said, Brother Brandon, he said, I'm, I'm just worried. He said, I, I don't know what all I can do for God, but I want to do something for God. He said, I ain't got much education, and I ain't got no money. He said, but I want to do something for the Lord. And I said, Brother Travis, I said, you know, that's worth more to God than anything. I said, because you ain't got all that, but you want to give all you have to the Lord. You know what? And what little they did, I know God's going to honor it gloriously when they get to heaven. I know when they, when, when, when Travis and Betty, who, uh, again, they, they were as dirt poor and just as uneducated as could be, but they had a heart big as Dallas, Texas, and they wanted to love everybody for Jesus. When they stand before that judgment's bar up there in heaven, it's going to be a shout and glory hallelujah time for them. I'll tell you, I, I've known people like that. They've stood in the shadows. They didn't want the attention. They didn't want the applause. They didn't want nobody to mention them. They just wanted to love their Savior for what he did for them, and they'll have treasure up there like we won't even believe because folks that down here was searching for a, applause or, or, or attention from somebody for every little thing they did, and they ain't going to wind up with anything. But those who quietly just served God because they loved him, those are the ones. Those are the ones who, who the Bible says, yet hath great riches. Maybe not down here. He had a tractor. He had a tractor and a pickup truck. That was all the riches that man ever had. 
you know what? He had more on the inside than anybody I just about I've seen on the outside. And I got one more verse, and I'm done. Verse 8. It says, The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. Again, and this verse kind of goes with the last one. It says, A ransom of a man's life are his riches. We oftentimes make a mistake of judging a man's blessing, at least in this world, by how much they've got, and 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 we're and we're led to believe by a lot of people that you know that they become more or less happy according as they have more or less of this world's goods. You got more of it, you're happier. You got less, you're not happy. But the truth of it is, is those that are rich in worldly goods, they're more vulnerable. They got to they got more responsibilities. They got more things. More things weighing down on them they got to take care of. Plus, they're subject to somebody stealing from them. They're subject to somebody breaking in on them. They're subject to somebody embezzling from them or, 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 or being overly taxed, which is legalized theft, and we all know that. But, but you know, there's a lot of things that can come against a rich man. I mean, there's a lot of burdens and responsibilities. I mean, I think it was a rapper that coined the phrase, more money, more problems. But, I mean, this is... That's what it is. You get more money, you got more things to worry about. And their emotions lie in their riches, and they can be moved by the threat of loss. I mean, again, a man, a ran, the ransom of a man's life are his riches. But the Bible says the poor heareth not rebuke. And what I mean by that is, look here, you never hear somebody say, Man, this poor guy's child got kidnapped, and they're holding him for ransom. Man, they got no money. Nobody, nobody's gonna kidnap their kids. They're not worth anything. Nobody, you don't get nothing out of them. You can't. What's that saying? You can't get blood from a turnip, right? It's the rich guy. He's the one. He's the one who gets his child kidnapped because they know, hey, we we hit them with all that money. You know, we're gonna hit them right in their heartstrings. There, we're gonna go and get something. Uh. But the poor man, he don't worry about stuff like that. I mean, what are they going to sue me for? What are they going to get out of me? Ah, let them sue me. Can't get nothing. I've heard that expression before. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, in the very same way, like I said, that a man can use something to affect a man's riches, the devil uses the riches of a man to keep him from Jesus. You know what he does? He, he threatens him. He, with The devil threatens him with a lo- loss of his gold and silver. He says, you know, you get saved, man, that's going to affect your business. That means people won't do business with you. They find out you're a Christian. You know, again, people are going to look at you funny. It's your company. People, people are going to deal with you different. The world will look at you different. You get saved. I, I remember years ago, folks, we, we used to, uh, back over, over at Faith, you know, we, we knocked doors constantly. And uh, we we went out into the rich rich neighborhood. I'm talking about over in Oak Oak Creek. That's that's the real rich over there in that part, the hills and Oak Creek and all that. <clears throat> this is probably five, six, seven. I don't know. It's been longer than that. Probably ten years ago, twelve years ago. Time passes so quick. But I, I'll never forget walking down the street there in Oak Creek. Me and brother James Sharrock, we were out, not walking together and. And this guy come walking down his driveway. He said, what are y'all doing over here? We out visiting from our church. We're trying to talk to people about going to heaven. He said, why don't you get over on 
some poor neighborhoods. So we we do it all right over here. We got everything we need. We don't we don't we don't need that over here. And I just looked at he got his house, he got his truck, he got his boat. He don't need Jesus. He got his wife and his two point five kids. He don't need Jesus. You see, again, <clears throat> poor man. A poor man. Let me tell you why a poor man gets saved quick. Because a poor man, listen, he ain't got all those things holding him back. He ain't got all those things he's worried about hanging on to. He's a, he's already in hardship. He already knows what hard life is, what hard times are. And so, hey, you you got something for me that can make me in a better position than where I'm at now? Yeah, I'll listen to you. I'll let you say you say you can fix my problems. You yeah, I'll listen to you. But the rich man, not so much. Maybe why Jesus said it's easier for for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because again, and 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 I and I I won't stand here and tell you that I totally understand that phrase because I don't know that I totally do. I've heard people say, well. It's because the only way a camel can get through that gate is on his knees. And maybe that's so. Because a rich man will have to get on his knees before God. And it's hard for him to do so. All I know is this. If you want to be rich, you need the Lord. If you got the Lord, you're richer than anybody got all the money in the world. Let's stand together. Amen. I hope... I hope Folks got a blessing tonight listening, and I and, uh, hope you'll tune back in. I hope you, if you get a chance, I hope you'll visit with us at Temple Baptist Church uh, over here at 303 Short Street in Clarksville, Texas. We'd love to have you. And Sunday morning, uh, preaching services at 11, Sunday schools at 10, evening service at 6, and, of course, Wednesday nights at 7. Amen. I'm glad you were here tonight. I'm glad all of you made it. Amen. And pray for everybody that's not here. Pray for we got a lot of people dealing with illnesses and and injuries and all kinds of things. And you know the devil will do anything and work use anything he can to keep our church lagging behind. We want to get things rolling. So let's just pray for God to get everybody well and uh, and let's just get to working for Jesus because He's coming soon. All right. Anything from anybody before we dismiss? All right. Let's go, to the Lord. And pray. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.